hockey fans, are you ready to Brave the Wild? With me, your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Awajan. Brave the Wild is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podman, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Audible, Stitcher, Double Twist. Thank you once and always for downloading and listening to the show. It's a great pleasure to be back on board with you once again today. The skies are a little bit on the gray side here, but there's a little bit of blue poking through, you know, that type of thing. I guess maybe that's the wild season after going through some some tough times. Maybe things are starting to poke through. Minnesota Wild wind up going 2-2 two and two in four games this past week. Certainly not the most impressive week ever, but quite far from the worst it could have been. Obviously, beating Boston is pretty good. You know, beating the Boston Bruins, sweeping the Bruins this year, not bad, eh? And we got a nice little fight to watch as well. Frederic, little redemption uh, from uh, <laughs> Brendan Haim, obviously attacking, uh, uh, well, you know, they both agreed to get in their fight and all that after the whole uh, Kaprizov cheap shot that cost Kaprizov <clears throat> one game, one that's how, yeah, I mean, that's how durable Kirill Kaprizov is, knock on wood. That's really awesome. We appreciate that in a huge way. So, Minnesota Wild make their first trade heading into the trade deadline. We'll talk a little bit about the poll I put up going into this next week. Obviously, that, it's good to have at least one poll per show. It just gets some kind of discussion going on, and what's what's a bigger discussion than the trade deadline, other than the Miguel Cuevo retirement ceremony and all that? And now, you know, some of us think Cuevo's the greatest ever, and some of us think not so much, but still good player, we appreciate him. You know, obviously that kind of thing. I'm more in the good player, we appreciate him, that kind of thing. I'm not going to trash him or anything. Obviously, it was a nice emotional press conference, or press conference, nice emotional ceremony. I think it was pretty good, obviously, but um, at the same time, you know, uh, it, it is what it is. Uh, it's the state of the wild in a lot of ways. Uh, there'll be other players to retire coming up that'll end up being better NHL players overall in their career. But Koivu, obviously, in a lot of ways, I guess he was the face of the wild because of how long he was here. And he was consistent for the most part as well. So, obviously, it's not like he was bad. He was far from being a bad player. So, at the end of the day, um, it's kind of a debated back and forth. Some of, us some of us Minnesotans get tired of other Minnesotans going crazy over certain players. That's the only complaint they may have at the end of the day. Uh, I mean, I go as far as with tons of players. Like, we just kind of worship them. So, that gets old, in my opinion, at times. Uh, speaking of getting old, is losing games as well. But, at least, Minnesota was 500. And, that Detroit game was a bit weird. Again, one of the four games of Detroit. That was weird. What was getting old in that game was not the fact the Wild were scoring goals. It was the fact of how many we were giving up. Talbot continues to be mediocre, and the defense in front of him continues to be mediocre. Guys like Kulikov. John Merrill, who conveniently, right after he signed his contract, has been a completely different player. He's been pretty lousy. Pretty much, you could pretty much time it up to basically right after he signed his uh, extension, which at the end of the day is beginning to look worse and worse because of that. Um, Committing to a player that really isn't all that good. He's a cool guy. This and that. It's not the biggest commitment you ever saw, 1.2 million. But yeah, three-year extension after this season. So, well, it's probably going to be his last contract. I would have to say he's 30 years old already, and he's not getting any better. Jordy Ben's 34. Uh, I don't know. Jordy Ben bringing him back? Ha, 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 ha. Kulikov's been mediocre at best for the most part. Uh, nice, strong start to the season, but I don't know. Goligoski, uh, no. <clears throat> he's never going to make $5 million again. Uh, not, not without some kind of nice investment or something. 
Otherwise, that ain't happening. It's just not. Um, the defense score in front of the both goaltenders, both goaltenders has not been good. Um, Dumba hasn't been all that great since returning. He hasn't been that bad. His first game back, he was pretty lousy, I thought. But, yeah, I, I've been losing followers on Twitter the last few weeks, probably because of some of the things I've been saying. So I apologize. I, I guess maybe people listen to the show and are like, oh, my God, he, he, he thinks Cuevo's number shouldn't be retired. What a jackass. Well, there's a lot of us that think that. And it's not because I hate Cuevo. I just, uh, you know, maybe it didn't need to be retired right away. Maybe it could be retired later. You know what I mean? It didn't need to be like, oh, my God, Cuevo retired. Put his, put his number up. Hurry up. Get it up there. Get it up there. Oh, okay. Whew. Whew, we got we took care of that. That's good. Whew. Yeah, that kind of thing. Oh. <laughs> I apologize though if that annoys anybody, but it is what it is. <clears throat> Again, the Wild did make a trade, and a guy that I was a fan of, but I'm sure a lot of people had been yeah, feeling a little bit worse and worse about the past few weeks. Nico Sturm has been traded. Unrestricted free agent going into the summer. Of course, college free agent. He's already turning 27. Sometimes you forget that. Like, I forgot that in a way. Man, 27 already. Jeez. Roman, uh, I just called him Roman. I, I keep doing it. Roman Yossi? No. Yeah, that wouldn't that be nice? No. Tyson Jost. Jost. He is in the house from Colorado, of all places. The Wild made a trade with the Colorado Avalanche. I guess immediate help with Nico Sturm in their point of view, I suppose. But Tyson Jost, I mean, there's a little upside there. He's only 24 years of age. So, it's something to look forward to. Tenth overall pick. It's like you think about that. Tenth overall pick in 2016. Cool. Um, he hasn't been all that ultra-productive in the National Hockey League. He's a left-shot center who can obviously play left wing. Once you're a center, you can at least, yeah, you can easily transfer to wing if need be, this and that. But he'll be on the fourth line to start things off. And the conversation is that he is talented enough. He could, he, he could move up into the top six. So, there is offensive potential there. Just didn't really get a whole lot of shot at it in Colorado. Uh, fantastic penalty killer. What do you think of that? One thing brought up in the Derek Krelska article, though, uh, again, uh, crease and assist, crease and assist, Derek Krelska. He brought up a very interesting statistic. Face-off percentage, 39%. Are you fucking kidding me? Well, all right. Cool. Well, that helps a lot. Helps a lot. Yeah, uh, oh, well, I guess he fits right in, huh? <laughs> yeah, I guess he fits right in. Welcome aboard. <laughs> oh, we lost another face-off. Well, you know, <laughs> oh, they scored too. Well, okay. I'm not trying to be too negative. Hopefully he can improve on that. But again, nice penalty killer. Better overall player than Nico Sturm. Sturm must be a better fit for Colorado at the moment. Maybe bringing in some size for the postseason because Tyson just does not have a whole lot of size. He's under, uh, he's basically about Zach Parisi's size, or 5'11", 187. So, about the Parisi size of things. Kind of a medium to smaller hockey player. Not tiny, obviously, but under six foot. That's not real big. So, obviously. Um, but again, a, a really nice defensive player with offensive potential. And he did a top 10 pick in 2016. Top 10 picks don't always amount to as much as people hope. Like, you think a top 10 pick. Okay, he could be a, a top six guy for sure, or like a top pairing or second pairing defenseman in the NHL for many years, or a really good starting goalie. Doesn't always turn out that way. Uh, extremely productive in the BCHL, or British Columbia Hockey League. His final season there, he played 48 games for the Pentagon V's. The V's. Gotta like that, the V's. Well, whatever that is. <clears throat> 104 points in 48 games, 42 goals. And he had 43 penalty minutes. <clears throat> I'll say that again. Penalty minutes. Thank you very much. Uh, over a point a game for the University of North Dakota. They hated 
Fighting Hawks, as they like to call them now. 16 goals, 19 assists in 33 games, and 43 penalty minutes. He was also a plus 17. With Colorado, he's been a plus most of the way, though early on he was a minus 5 in 6 games. His first season after coming from the University of North Dakota, North Dakota, a minus 5 in 6 games. What the hell? That sucks. Scored only one goal and that's it. <laughs> Second season, he was a minus 10 in Colorado. 22 points. 12 of them goals in 65 games. So, you know, obviously, like we're going to say 100 times, bottom 6, bottom 6, bottom 6, bottom 6. After that, yeah, after that, 26 goals in 19, or excuse me, 1819. No, not the 1800s. Uh, okay, I think you figured that, but 2018 19, <laughs> 26 points in 70 games, 11 of them goals, and then the double digit goals, unfortunately, vanished mysteriously in the next couple of years here. 1920, 2021, and 22. He had 8 goals, 7 goals, and 6 goals, respectively, with the Colorado Avalanche, but is now with Minnesota. Uh, unfortunately, the numbers dropped every year a little bit, eh? So that's a bummer. Uh, of course, less games in 2021 because it was a smaller season. In 1920, was what that was as well. Both of those years got uh, chopped up a bit. May have had career highs in those seasons, you never know. But this year has definitely been a disappointment thus far. Statistically, for Tyson Jost, there might be a reason for the trade. Obviously, struggling a little bit in Colorado. Probably, it's just... It is what it is. There's so much talent there. They're very top-heavy, and he's kind of stuck where he is. And, you know, we always talk about guys like Marco Rossi, Matt Boldy, uh, Adam Beckman, guys like that. You can't put them in the bottom six. You, you just can't, you know. You, putting them in the bottom six is okay, but it doesn't really, you don't really reach their potential. Uh, the difference of Tyson Jost is he's a really good penalty killer, so that's the cool part. They can get him rolling a bit in the National Hockey League, where some of those other guys, you don't really think about penalty kill necessarily. Uh, Rossi is probably the best at out of those guys, but at the same time, you don't want him, you know, spending a ton of time on the third line, fourth line, like, and then, you know, it's 26 points, you know, that kind of thing in 70 games. So you're hoping for a little more than that out of Marco Rossi. Ironically, taken ninth versus 10th overall in their respective drafts. So that's interesting conversation as well when you consider where guys are taken. Some guys are just a little different, and they develop uh, a, a different way. They come up a different way. So zero, well, no, not zero, only 13 AHL games of the San Antonio Rampage and Colorado Eagles over the course of time. He was rampaging with San Antonio, and he had only two points in five games in 17-18 and then in 18-19. In eight games, he had four goals and one assist. So, okay. Again, not super productive in the AHL and didn't spend a whole lot of time there. So most of his career really has been in the National Hockey League. So that's the good part in a sense. But sometimes guys don't always develop as well by just jumping right straight to the National Hockey League. But I suppose, again, his penalty kill abilities and his defensive abilities has helped Tyson just be an NHL player at an earlier age. Because we're talking super young here. He's 24 years old. And he was already in the NHL in 1617. I mean, think about that. So it's just like, wow, ready to rock and roll right away. But I got to think Colorado was hoping for a little bit higher production numbers coming into the NHL. Uh, back to the Minnesota Wild themselves. Again, uh, Kirill Kaprizov, another strong week, 75 total points. He's on pace for 104 now. So he's off the 106. Zuccarillo's at the pace for eight. Uh, he's, uh, he's chasing the 80s again. <laughs> Unbelievable, 85 points. He would have 58 assists, which is absolutely insane. 
And Kevin Fiala, 75 points is his projected number. Number eight. Okay, 28 goals. Obviously, Fiala, career high for all three of those players. And Ryan Hartman, no doubt about it. He's definitely gotten back on pace again. Looks good. Uh, after a really crappy uh, month or so, <laughs> still on pace for 63 points after all that. Certainly not on pace for 40 goals anymore. That was a little bit uh, slightly unrealistic, I would have to say. Just a little bit unrealistic for Ryan Hartman. Um, I don't want to babble too much about the games necessarily because it's, it's cool to kind of go into the other information. Uh, one of the prospects, though, major prospects recently who's really emerged nicely with Detroit, he's a guy that got going right away where some of the other major prospects join their teams and they don't do a whole lot. Lucas Raymond already 17 goals for the Detroit Red Wings. Obviously, wonderful career. Two goals in that nasty back-and-forth game. Uh, Matt Boldy also two goals. So both Boldy and... Lucas Raymond with two goals in the game. Boldy, nice release on his shot, of course, and golden opportunities given his way. Really liked uh, Matt Boldy's game in Detroit. Uh, that was a fun night. It was a fun night because you come out with the win, but at the same time, giving up five goals was extremely disappointing and frustrating. Nick Letty, Nicholas, Minnesota's own Nick Letty, top defenseman for Detroit, which says something there as well. <laughs> no offense, Nick, but top defenseman? No. <laughs> no. Uh, three points, maybe for the Gophers for five minutes before he got hurt, and then, of course, didn't want to be here anymore for some reason. <clears throat> a lot of NHLers didn't like, the, didn't like uh, uh, Don Lucia, unfortunately. Three assists for him, part of me is I battle way too much. A uh, couple of assists for Frederick, Frederick Goudreau as well. Freddie Goudreau and uh, Kevin Fiala also getting an assist. Goal and an assist for Julius and that kind of deflection. Love what Julius and Eck brought, though he lost a lot of face-offs. The Wilds just stunk in the face-offs the whole game here. Uh, eight of eight wins, 16 losses for Julius and Eck just got killed pretty much, which is annoying. Uh, Michael Rasmussen won 14 face-offs. Dylan Larkins, obviously the best player on Detroit, uh, hit the post in the shootout when it got to that point. Larkin could have, you know, obviously kept Detroit alive. It would have tied things up if Dylan Larkin finished. But obviously, and then the overtime period was not too interesting as uh, the Wild and Detroit back and forth, back and forth in this game. Again, I keep comparing that old Game 7 with Colorado where it was back and forth, back and forth. And it's like, you don't want to go back and forth with mediocre to crappy Eastern Conference teams. Come on, you know, <laughs> we could do better. But of course, a road game, it is what it is. And Detroit is a rising team, I'd have to say. And guys like Larkin are spectacular. It's just funny that he didn't score any of the goals in the game. Uh, Jacob Rana also multiple foes in the game, so that's what I thought. Two guys at uh, multiple game at the end of the day. The Wild do escape. Kevin Fiala kind of came in there with a nice gentle release and a shot, and won the game, leading to the uh, Detroit goaltender who's been snake bit all season, We're giving up about four goals a game. <laughs> Ned 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 Kovic. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Ned Kovic. Uh, obviously, again, extremely frustrated and broke his stick after Mr. Uh, Fiala was able to finish. Let's try to move forward quickly if we can. Minnesota then loses to Columbus, who also had a game the day before. So both teams can uh, have a... Both teams can cry about the... Uh, well, you know what I mean, complain or use it as an excuse as they played the night before. Lower scoring game against Elvis, who's not been a good goaltender all season, but he looked damn good against us, facing 38 shots. Elvis Merzlikens, obviously, uh, he had some 
wonderful saves in the game, and the Wild were frustrated at the same time. Some of the attempts weren't all that spectacular, and that doesn't help. Kebel Kegner was very good in the game, but again, a very unlucky situation where he was unable to stop the shot. It went through the legs there, and that helped cost the Wild the game, as Kuro Kaprizov was actually stopped by Elvis in the shootout, which was extremely frustrating. Oh, he, he went to the backhand, which was a little bit surprising. Uh, Kuro Kaprizov went to the Koivu backhand. I guess, was it to honor Koivu before the game? I don't know. I'm just teasing. <laughs> before the next game? No, probably not. But he elected to go with the backhand, and Elvis just seemed to know exactly where that was heading, and was able to stuff Kuro Kaprizov in the shootout. That was frustrating. Uh, took a real nice goal from long distance, putting the puck on net, and that's, sometimes that's all it takes. Feels like Kirill Kaprizov lights the lamp every night, and he pretty much does lately. Um, wonderful week for Kirill Kaprizov. It's definitely safe to say. Just couldn't finish on the shootout goal. Uh, unfortunately, shootout attempt, so to speak. Freddie Goudreau, the only Minnesota Wild center to win in the faceoff circle, where once again the Wild, not, not necessarily dominated, but beat, plain and simple, versus this uh, Columbus Blue Jackets club and Elvis was definitely the star of the night he's not been a good goaltender at all, I, I thought the Wild were going to light him up and get, and win the game 5-3 to three or something uh, or even 4-2, to two, something like that, but I thought the Wild would win comfortably against Elvis but just simply not the case again, giving up 38 shots did Columbus, at least 38 attempts on net, uh, again, not all of them were spectacular, but they were decent Wild penalty kill continues to stink, and it got worse, as did the Wild power play, versus uh, the National Predators on Miko Koivu night. And that includes our power play sucked, and our goal scoring sucked. An extremely frustrating game this was. Uh, again, a touching press conference if you like to get emotional about things, which sometimes I try to not do so. As uh, things acting up here, I apologize. Apologize, things acting up again, which is always a lot of fun. <laughs> the Wild ended up losing 6-2 to two. two empty netters in the game So it wasn't as bad as it looks But still not a good game You got to see Luke Cunning And Marcus Foligno get in a pretty pretty uh, Aggressive fight there I'd have to say Foligno won But it was, it was fairly close Fairly close Luke Cunning gave it his all And it was what it was But Cunning of course Unable to light the lamps in this game <clears throat> Philip Forsberg has been a thorn in our side forever Extremely frustrating Kyle Granlund stopped on multiple attempts, but again, not an overall exciting game for Minnesota. Again, the power play just wasn't good for the Wild. It's like Jules Erschenek actually won in the faceoff circle, which is the first time in several games. He's been virtually dominated of late. Connor DeWer, mediocre. He's mediocre at best, uh, doesn't score a whole lot, but a few weeks back he was getting some nice attempts. It seems like that's kind of vanished off the face of the earth unfortunately, so it is what it is. Jordan Greenway, I thought, had a very good week. Again, nice release on his shot, unable to put the, able to put the puck through there, getting close to the net and a quick release. I love what Greenway's been doing the past few games. Uh, obviously, he's been, a, he's been an addition from within, of course, coming back from injury and reassembling that grease line. It's been a good thing. The grease line's been good again, which feels great, because uh, now that it is the grease line, at least, at the <laughs> once again, Fiala continuing to at least get assists in this one. Um, but an overall depressing night. The Wild would have numerous opportunities in this game to get something going, and it just wasn't meant to be. Uh, frustration just definitely kicked in, and of course there was no power play goals by Minnesota throughout the entire night, and Roman Josie 
was able to score on the power play, so the penalty kill, giving up yet another one. Now it ended up being the, the dagger at the end of the day, early in the third period, as it ended up putting Nashville up by two. Jordan Greenway had tied the game up again, a back-and-forth type of situation with Forsberg, Boldy, Jossie, Greenway. <laughs> and then Tomasino put the Nashville Predators ahead, much to our chagrin. And then things all just went downhill in that third period. Very depressing night for Minnesota. Uh, saying goodbye to Miko Koivu. Well, goodbye and hello, because, of course, he'll be still with the organization in some capacity. Probably player development is what they've been talking about for quite a while, similar to uh, Brad Bombardier and Matt Hendricks. That's been the conversation for the last year and a half or so. Um, ever since, uh, basically, Bill Guerin and Miko Koivu patched things up, which didn't take all that long. Uh, yeah, it didn't take all that long after Bill Guerin gave Koivu the honest assessment saying, we're not resigning you. It's it's time. I'm sorry. That it, it is what it is. It's time for some new blood to take over this team. So, luckily, things were patched up pretty quickly. I don't think it'll be the same with <laughs> Ryan Suter, especially. Parisi, I have no idea, but Suter for sure. I don't think it'll be the same. In that sense, I don't think Suter returns to Minnesota one way or another. The state of Minnesota, yes. The Minnesota Wild, no. Um, and that's fine with me. Cabo Kakinen, not one of his best nights, but certainly the play in front of him was much worse than what he played, I thought. Kakinen wasn't that good, but again, the play in front of him drove me absolutely crazy. 6-2 to loss, again, and again, you know, just no goal support at the end of the day. Power play opportunities all failed in this game, and it was extremely frustrating. That's why you heard the soundbite from <laughs> from a few weeks back from our coach, uh, Dean Everson, in that case. Of course, 6-2 to two loss. Let's just get off this one and move on, if humanly possible. To a much better night, a 4-2 victory over the Boston Bruins. Oh, this thing's acting up. Man, I don't like this. <laughs> I don't like this. That'd be a smart solution. Cam Talbot sharpened the game. We appreciate what he brought. A 4-2 victory in Minnesota versus Boston and on TNT. We got to win on national television. Kirill Kaprizov could have had a hat-trick in this game because, obviously, he had his first goal from quite a ways out, which was really nice. That felt like a million bucks on the power play. Way out there like a defenseman putting the puck on net. Wound up scoring on that one. 31st goal of the season. Like, right after that, Kirill Kaprizov had a golden opportunity, but a good stop by the Boston goaltender, of course. And, man, <laughs> it was a damn good stop and all that. And then it seemed like right after that, Kirill Kaprizov wound up finishing for his second goal. Definitely could have had a hat-trick. He had a spectacular night. I'm surprised he didn't, actually. Kaprizov, it was a fun night to watch. And there he was on national television. But, well, you're not going to score on all of them, that's for sure. And, of course, the goaltender is Swayman of Boston. He stopped 30 out of 33 shots. Minnesota ends up winning the game, of course, an empty netter later by our friend uh, <laughs> Rand Harbin, able to light the lamps in that one. Of course, obviously, an empty net's an empty net, but at least he scored on that, and he did get an assist on Kirill Kaprizov's first goal. Uh, nice release from way, way out. Just wasn't Swayman's night in that sense. <laughs> and then the first goal given up, or second goal given up by Talbot, drew, the, uh, drew a head shake by... Uh, Dean Everson, he was just kind of looking on like, huh, because that was way, way out there. It's, I, don't know, I, I was kind of shaking my head at that one as well. Like, I don't know, what was that all about? And it was on the ever unpopular Brad Marchand, and again, the power play. That's where the frustration comes in. Is yeah, Again, the Wild just cannot 
stop the power play. It's always they cannot kill the penalty, this and that, at the end of the day. Uh, another thing of note that I find interesting a little bit is Charlie Coyle is now an alternate captain for the Boston Bruins. Pretty cool. Congratulations, Charlie Coyle, on being one of the leaders of the Boston Bruins of all teams. Teams with, you know, guys that have won a cup many years ago in 2011. Brad Marchand was one of the youngsters on that team. Now he's definitely a veteran. Didn't get too much of a... He wasn't too much of an agitation in this game compared to others. Frederick and Brendan DeHaime had a pretty entertaining fight early on. Yes, things were ready to go. That was kind of a pre... You know how they set the fight up. Like, okay, there's going to have to be something after what he did to Kuro Kaprizov a while back. Obviously, last time these two teams played. DeHaime was winning the fight, and then Frederick basically wrestled him to the ground. I thought it looked like Frederick had won the fight in a lot of ways, but not necessarily because he was actually not connecting on his punches. I thought he was, but it, I guess it was kind of like pro wrestling where it looks like you're hitting the guy when you're actually not hitting him when you're punching. Yes, when they hit the ground and, and all that crap, yes, there's, that's real. Duh. You know, they're not floating on some kind of magic carpet or something. So, um, But it was funny. Uh, DeHaime landed some pretty good punches after he was able to rip off uh, Frederick's helmet. That was kind of the goal there, obviously, rather than breaking his arm, or breaking his his hand, punching <laughs> Frederick's helmet. Uh, entertaining fight, very aggressive. And again, Minnesota ends up winning 4-2 to two in a fairly well-played game. Again, you give up a power play yet again. Ugh, but you score on one. So at least that's offset in, in a sense. And the Wild end up victorious in the game. Uh, again, I'm not too disappointed the Wild did not sign Nick Foligno when you consider what his asking price was. Kind of brings you back to uh, uh, the David Backus contract years ago. Similar kind of situation where it was a pretty good player. Pretty good player, well-known guy. And it's going to be kind of expensive. He's getting old, and is he going to completely drop off right when he signs with his next team? Sure looks like it, at least uh, offensively, statistically, this and that with Nick Foligno and David Backus in both cases, signing with Boston in both cases versus Minnesota. So, <laughs> well, uh, again, neither one has me feeling all too bad at the end of the day. Master Knock was a bit embarrassed on one of the goals as well. I believe that was Kirill Kaprizov's second goal of the game. Made Master Knock look a little bad there. Kirill Kaprizov was able to kind of split through as he was received, uh, received a long pass from Matt Zuccarello. It's 42nd of the season. He's on pace for 58, remember. Uh, beautiful play. And again, no offside. Zuccarello was able to receive the pass right before he got to the blue line. And it was, it was all by himself with Swayman. And he was able to finish one-on-one, him being Kirill. The thrill. <laughs> Back-to-back goals. Unfortunately, could not get the hat trick. Because Swayman had a pretty good save uh, a few minutes before. Nice, solid week for Minnesota, at least getting the job done. The Mike Madonna Award winner for this week has got to be Kirill Kaprizov. I thought he had a wonderful week, generally speaking. Uh, the James Shepard Memorial, biggest disappointment, this and that. It's got to be one or two of the defensemen. They've been just mediocre at best. Obviously not the main defensemen. I can't really give Brodeen or Dumba or uh, Spurgeon anything like that. Spurgeon, I'd have a really hell of a time giving him a James Shepard Memorial. Obviously, some of the forwards can be disappointing at times defensively or whatever. Um, it's, it's Tyson Jost. He's, he's the... Yeah, no, he's not. It's not him. <laughs> How can I possibly give it to him? He just got here and he didn't have a bad game. I'm going to give it to John Merrill. I, I don't like how he's been playing lately. It's kind of a general... Or uh, Ellis Delagoski, but he did put up some points this week. So at least there are some offensive numbers. But Goligoski is a defenseman, and he's been a lousy defenseman. I'm just being honest. He's been a lousy defenseman. 
uh, for the last like month and a half or so, if not longer. Not been happy with uh, Alex Galagazi. He's not a $5 million player. Happy he got the money, blah, 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 and we were able to fit everything in the cap this year just fine because it wasn't too bad yet. Next year's going to be a different story. Uh, Tyson Jost, again, the conversation there also, he's not a rental. It's uh, this year and next year at the very least. Then he becomes a restricted free agent, arbitration eligible after next season. $2 million per. So it's a little bit, a little bit of money there. Uh, that probably kills any any hope of uh, getting Carson Susie because I was talking about that with the money coming back. 2.75 is Carson Susie. That's dead and gone. Uh, if we get a defense, then it's going to have to be cheaper or some type of a player for player type of movement. Green Alex Galagoski. Green <coughs> Alex Galagoski, if we could do that. Wouldn't that be nice? But I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> Why would they even bother? Uh, like a Seattle or something. What would the point be? We're going to get a 36 year old defense in? who's <laughs> a free agent for what you know for what <laughs> going forward when you're the Seattle Kraken just for the hell of it so you could get rid of Susie that might be the only reason okay maybe that free up cap space next season with that said I'll shut up and we'll talk about only two games next week what do you think of that and then get into the prospects and all that good stuff <laughs> the Wild will preview only two games and they'll both have Marc-Andre Fleury on them. Both of them. Okay, maybe. We'll see. We'll see if something changes coming up. Wouldn't that be something if they did? It just might happen, folks. It just might happen as the trade deadline approaches next Monday. We'll see if the Wild head in another direction here. And, of course, I'll look at the poll in the uh, fan interaction segment that I brought up about uh, what position you'd like the Wild to trade for. So far, it's been a uh, center forward, that kind of thing, but obviously not any type of dominant type of guy. Yeah, he sucks at face-off so far. <sighs> it is what it is. Chicago Blackhawks and Vegas Golden Knights. Notice I said Marc-Andre Fleury. Might end up returning to Vegas. You never know. 2.90 goals against average for the Chicago Blackhawks. Patrick Kane, who had like five goals earlier in the season. Now he's up to 19. So we'll see if it's a hat-trick for Patrick. St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, St. Patrick's Day with <laughs> Patrick Kane. Um, but, uh, yeah, he won't be wearing the green hats. Uh, maybe he will somewhere else. He won't be wearing the green hats versus the Minnesota Wild because that will already be March the 19th on Saturday. And then Monday with Vegas Golden Knights. And then next week it's Vancouver, Columbus, Colorado, and Philly to talk about before Pittsburgh the next you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, sorry for the silliness there. Minnesota-Chicago, it's not quite the deadly matchup it used to be, of course, though Alex DeBrincat has 35 goals in the season, one of the best in the league, 34. Pardon me, getting ahead of myself. Obviously, a up-and-coming stud with the Chicago Blackhawks does not lead them in scoring, though, because Patrick Kane has 49 assists. He's the Zuccarillo at this stage of his career with the <laughs> Chicago Blackhawks with 68 points, often compared with Kirill Kaprizov. Kirill Kaprizov and Patrick Kane, that's a good comparison because when you see back in the day, if you saw Patrick Kane one-on-one with a goal, it's a goal. You see Kirill Kaprizov, one-on-one with a goalie. It's becoming pretty much a goal now, except for that one great save by Swayman, preventing a possible hat-trick uh, moments later. In that sense, Kirby Duff with uh, 23 points, eight goals on the season. 
it definitely is a big drop-off afterwards. Seth Jones has been moderately disappointing, though still 39 points in a disappointing season. It's not too bad. The disappointment is defensively 23 minus, minus 23 on the season with uh, Seth Jones with 36 assists, number two on the team behind St. Patrick, as you could call him, I suppose. It's been a mess in Chicago, generally speaking. Obviously, they've uh, they've changed coaches, blah blah blah. They're two and three in their last five. They're just they're just not going to make the playoffs. Obviously, that's a dead that's a dead conversation. It's crazy how they actually got into the bubble a few years back and they escaped the bubble with a win, only to get manhandled by the uh, Vegas Golden Knights of all teams. Chicago on March the sixth lost to Tampa six to three. They beat Anaheim eight to three. Whew. And then uh, beat, uh, lost to Boston. Pardon me, in Boston four to three. Lost or beat Ottawa at Ottawa six to three. And lost to Boston two to one. Most recently, that's a rematch of the 2013 Cup Finals. Boston able to get the victory there. And believe me, I was cheering for Boston in that series, as you can imagine. Minnesota. Notice what I'm doing. Knock on wood, no injuries. Connor Murphy, Tyler Johnson, and Kara. Kara with a lower back situation. Concussion with Tyler Johnson. And upper body injury left the game March the 12th. So both Connor Murphy and Tyler Johnson is on March the 12th. Ended up leaving the game, unfortunately. Chicago is 25th in goals. 25th in goals against. 24th in assists. So you get the idea. They're all kind of below average and everything. 18th in power play. Tied with the juggernaut called the Minnesota Wild. 18%. 23rd and 24th, respectively, Minnesota slightly worse than Chicago in the penalty kill. So Chicago just kind of not good at anything except staying out of the penalty box at 12th in that category. Minnesota leads the season series three games to zilch. Can we sweep the Blackhawks when it doesn't matter at all? Uh, it's good for us again. We need the points and all that, obviously, to ensure a playoff spot and hopefully some home ice advantage in the first round at the very least. Because Minnesota's catching up to the St. Louis Blues. The Blues aren't playing as well. Colorado is up in, you know, they're up in the thermosphere right now. <laughs> Whereas we're down here in the troposphere playing the Blackhawks. Woohoo. Yeah, they're up in the thermosphere or mesosphere, whatever sphere it is, but it's way up there where, uh, you know, knock the loose and clouds form. Yeah, look that stuff up if you care. I'm probably getting a little weird for most of you. Minnesota actually technically would be 3-2 and two in our last five. So that's not too bad with the wins over New York, Detroit, and then uh, New York Rangers, not the Islanders. Um, lost, losing to Columbus, Nashville, and then beating Boston. Not that I need to go over that uh, uh, during the whole show or anything. But uh, Wilds should be able to sweep this series. I hope Minnesota can get it done. It's another infamous matinee. Oh, I don't like matinees very much. I don't, especially when it's getting nice outside. Come on, guys. <laughs> Come on, guys. But I suppose when you have a nice, big juicy mobile device that works really well, yeah, and you have unlimited data, it helps, yeah, that, yeah, you can get the, you can get the hint there, um, off, off topic, very briefly, still in hockey, of course, Calgary's 10 points behind, there, and they're dominating everybody, they're killing everybody, they're still 10 points behind the Colorado Avalanche, which is crazy with, ooh, a game in hand, ooh, one whole game, but, uh, but that's because Calgary was that good for a long time. They started off the season good, then they dropped off the face of the earth, and then, oh my God, ever since they got everything reassembled, holy cow, Calgary's been good. Insane. 37-16 on the season. And if those who are in the Western Conference, you know who I'm rooting for. It ain't the Avalanche, let me tell you. Minnesota should be able to take care of business versus Colorado, or Chicago, pardon me. I wish Colorado, maybe someday, maybe, maybe in the playoffs, will knock them out. You never know. 
because it's happened before. It's happened twice, so <laughs> it could happen. Minnesota will beat the Chicago Blackhawks. Final score of hmm, what should we go with? Five to two. I think the Wild beat the Blackhawks easily. Kirill Kaprizov will score. I think Kaprizov and uh, Kaprizov and Boldy each, each at least get a goal in this game, and Minnesota win by a five to two victory. And yes, Patrick Kane will find the back of the net as he always does versus Minnesota. Vegas Golden Knights, who are not golden at all. They're terrible, actually, right now. They're flat terrible, and that's what happens when you have an injury to your goaltender, and you have Dubois and all these other goaltenders who are not real good. Vegas has been awful. and yeah, I hit the wrong button. I figured. <laughs> I just pulled up Vegas themselves. We don't want that. We want the preview. Look at the two teams. Here we go. Ben Hutton. What's COVID-19 protocols on March the 13th? Max Pacioretty. Max Pacioretty injured again. Jeez. March 11th, undisclosed lower body. Uh, oh, it's just an undisclosed injury, pardon me. Riley Smith with the knee and all that good stuff. Vegas has been awful. They lost all five of their last games, and they've been giving up a ton of goals, basically, especially the last few here. Losing 2-1 to one and 3-1 to one to Buffalo, that sucks. They're both road games, and it's been a terrible road trip. You had to Pittsburgh lose 5-2. to two. Columbus six to four, seven to three demolition versus the northern uh, versus our northern neighbor Winnipeg, Manitoba, Manitoba, uh, as Dean Everson would say, Manitoba, uh, seven to three loss for Vegas. They've been terrible. Their goaltending has fallen off the face of the earth. Robin Leonard with the injuries, and they need Mark Andre Fleury or somebody like that. Yeah, Robin Leonard has been banged up, and it's been a disaster uh, in. And he hasn't been all that good either. It's been a disaster in Vegas. Uh, Brosa is the goalie, not Dubois. Um, Peter Dubois is the disappointment. Logan Thompson's not been good in the few games he's been in. Uh, Jonathan Marshall is leading you in scoring. He's a nice, pesky player, and he's one of the few guys left from that team that a lot of people loved. Not everybody, but a lot of people did. Um, if he's your leading scorer, though, I think you're in trouble. Because obviously Mark Stone's missed a ton of games. He's 28 points in 28 games, but he's missed half of the season, including starting out the year. Uh, and the trade that I think would have destroyed the Minnesota Wild has helped damage, if not destroy, the Vegas Golden Knights. That'd be Jack Eichel. Um, Alex Tuck and all those pieces heading to Buffalo, which I think is going to be eventually, they're eventually going to break through and be a decent team. And they, they look okay. Um Jake Lestision, five points. <laughs> I just want to look at him because of the familiar name, of course, like Curtis Lestision, former Wild, way back at the beginning. He was a captain for at least a month in that first season for Minnesota. Jack Eichel has nine points in 14 games, five of them goals. We could talk all in all, we could talk on and on and on about how great Jack Eichel is. I never was all that in on that. It would have been exciting, it would have been cool, but you would have definitely given him Matt Boldy. You would have probably had to give up Kevin Fiala, and you would have had to give up more. Kevin Fiala, Matt Boldy, gone. And then Jack Eichel eventually comes back, and he's, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if he'd be that big of a difference maker. Uh, Mattis Janmark, she's on his way to Calgary. That was a trade with Vegas and Calgary just last night. So that's interesting, I suppose. I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah, Janmark's the guy that got the hat trick against Minnesota last year. I remember now. And he's uh, has an undisclosed injury. Recently, yeah, Janmark had that hat trick against Minnesota in the playoffs. Didn't do anything in the regular season. He's just kind of one of those fourth line type of guys. He had some okay type of seasons in Dallas. He actually had a 19 goal year in Dallas in 17-18, but he is headed 
to the Calgary Flames, unless I'm getting him mixed up with someone else, which I very well may be, and I apologize if that's the case. I thought that's who that was. I saw what I saw yesterday. Still says Vegas, so maybe not. I'm getting him mixed up with someone else. So, uh, apologize for that on the fly here. So, obviously, this is not Calgary. <laughs> this is not Brave the Flames or uh, the Brave Golden Knights podcast. So, it is what it is. I apologize for that on the fly here. Um, but injuries have destroyed this team, destroyed them. And, of course, I don't think that trade helped at all. And the whole Misfits deal... Yes, one of the main misfits is still there, Marcus Schultz, but it's a completely different team. They need Marc-Andre Fleury like they need to breathe right now, I think, and Marc-Andre Fleury probably wouldn't mind being back there. They're only 32-26 and fourth, fourth place in Pacific. Uh, Vegas is probably about where a lot of people may have thought they would have been had they been in, uh, like a normal, uh, <laughs> if they had been a normal uh, expansion team. Vegas is up 2-0 in the season series. I, if Minnesota loses this game, Jeez, come on, guys. Get your heads out of somewhere. That'd be appreciated. Uh, the Wild need to sweep this week. Colorado, or I keep calling them Colorado, but Chicago and Vegas. Minnesota needs to sweep this series, no doubt about it. 3-2 to two loss early in the season. 6-4. to four. Crazy back-and-forth game that wound up going in Vegas' favor most recently. That was a uh, game that had been postponed and came back again uh, because they were postponing everybody at one point in the season. Uh, March the 21st, Monday, Wild need to get the job done. Take care of business. Marcus Bueno scores in the game, and Minnesota wins. Final score, let's hope for 5-2 to two again. I mean, that's just kind of a, a number that keeps floating in my head. 5-2, to 6-3. to 6-3 to three win for Minnesota. Minnesota comes out of this with at least one win. A two, two out of... <laughs> You, you lose two out of three. At least it's not all three, but Minnesota wins six to three. Marcus Valina will find the back of the net, and he'll probably have a fight as well. Maybe he'll have a Gordie Howe hat trick. He'll have a goal assist and a fight in the game. Let's just say that. Yeah, he, he has a Gordie Howe hat trick. I'll see if I strike gold with that prediction. Vegas is 14th in goals, 19th in goals against. Penalty kills 18th. Power plays only 25th. Mm. And they, they're reasonable about staying out of the box, 13th. At the end of the day, and their shooting percentage sucks at nine percent. So, or yeah, it's not good. Um, mm, frustrating, no doubt about that. At the end of the day, Minnesota should get the win. With that, let's look at the prospects of humanly possible. And as per usual, we start off with the Iowa Wild. Oh, they most recently lost six to one. It's a lot of fun, isn't it? It's a lot of good news. Lots of good news, no doubt about that. And guys like Jack McBain and stuff. We'll get to that in a minute. It just pisses me off thinking about that. Guys aren't scoring and they're giving up goals. That's about all I got to say about Iowa. It's depressing. Uh, Mitchell Chaffee. He's one of those exciting college free agents that's been. You know, he's had some good moments this year. He did have a hat trick in Iowa. Kalen Addison's quietly been packing up the points because he'd been so quiet. Uh, in the NHL and in the AHL offensively. It's like his offensive numbers have disappeared. Now he's up to 20 points, kind of quietly creeping up there. Four goals, 16 assists for Kalen Addison. He does have 14 penalty minutes. Uh, did I say 14? He has 56, so it's been pretty wild. Uh, he's very close to Kramarosa and Dakota Mermis, who are way up there. Mason Shaw's got 85 penalty minutes. Crazy. He's been very aggressive out there. He's a tough little guy. Um, 
Alexander Hovenoff, another one of those prospects that's just invisible. He continues to struggle. Uh, Bryce Misley sent down to the ECHL where he's actually producing again, so good for him with the Iowa Hardlanders. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm just chuckling because there's a cute little podcast where it's two little boys, basically, with their dad. The dad's, like, in the background. He's the producer, basically. And the two little boys interview members of the of the uh, Iowa Hardlanders. It's interesting, cute little podcast. Uh, it's <laughs> If you don't mind the fact that it's two little boys asking funny questions, but some of the questions are okay. Uh, this and that. Iowa Hardlanders, though, not Iowa Wild. It's not been a good week for the Iowa Wild whatsoever. Just getting their butts kicked and not really scoring. It's been disappointing, to say the least. Beckman had been picking up the pace a tiny bit, but it's still he still had basically a half a point a game in the AHL. So I'm a little disappointed in Beckman. He had a good start to the season, and not so much. Same with Sweeney. Uh, Joe Hickett, same thing. I mean, mm. Luckily, Kaylin Edison's been picking it up, and I think he's right on the doorstep of being a regular in the National Hockey League. And I sure freaking hope so. Uh, Victor Rask has basically been their best player down there because, obviously, he's been an NHL player for years. Suddenly, he's in the AHL because it is what it is. You know, he's not a good fit for the Minnesota Wild right now, and he's in the final year of his contract, which I'm sure both sides are happy about at this stage. Um, so that, that kind of is what that is. If we can talk about Jack McBain, if I can stomach it. I'm kind of ticked off about the whole thing at this point. Do you blame me? Yeah, I'm ticked off all right. Because <sighs> now, you know, Jack McBain, as he's emerged so nicely, had an amazing season. It sounds like he has his heart set on signing somewhere else. I'm guessing it's out east. Boston Bruins, possibly. Maybe Buffalo, which would be funny. Or the New York Rangers. I'm guessing it's the Rangers or the Bruins, but who knows? It could be anybody. But I'm thinking it's a team that has playoff uh, playoff possibilities going forward uh, and, a, and a well-known franchise. 19 goals, 14 assists well with Boston College. And, of course, we're waiting now as we head into the uh, – we're in the, the uh, conference tournaments and then NCAA tournaments. But Jack McBain talks is that he will be traded because he doesn't want to play for Minnesota for some reason. Uh, and when the Wild acquired – Tyson Jost, that was basically it right there. Not because Tyson Jost is like, you know, is like a million times better than Jack McBain or whatever it is, but that's the roster spot right there. It was going to be Nico Sturm's spot uh, that Jack McBain was going to be in. He was going to be with Minnesota, and he's like just said, no, I don't want to sign with Minnesota. There's still a small possibility, still a glimmer of hope because he has not signed anywhere else yet, but uh, and he's not been traded. So there's still a chance. At the moment, he's still technically our property, and he's had an amazing... Last week, I refused to vote for him, though, and I'm in W Prospects. I just didn't want to because I'm pissed off at him right now. Uh, that's my old competitive side right there. You don't want to vote for somebody who doesn't want to be here, so hell with them <laughs> at the end of the day. Uh, the talk is that Ben Myers is the backup plan. Minnesota Gophers, he's a junior now, basically, but yeah, he's already 23 years of age. He's technically a junior or third season with the Gophers, anyway having a wonderful season with a team that very well could win the national championship. So if we if, if he did, we'd have to wait until April for him to sign with Minnesota, for go from Minnesota to Minnesota. Uh, Delano, Minnesota native, now that I've said that state about 15 times. Also, certainly not as nearly as big as Jack McBain, who's six foot four, 200. Uh, ben Myers, 5'11", 204, so he's got a big body at the very least. He plays a physical game. And he's the kind of guy with enough talent he could probably play in the middle six, we'll say, in the NHL. Could end up being a very nice player. And the hope is that Ben Myers is the guy, and he would be willing to come to Minnesota, uh, where he would be a, possibly a nice replacement for Jack McBain, uh, long-term, 
with uh, the Minnesota Wild and maybe uh, have to skate a little bit in the AHL first, but I'm thinking they're, they're saying he would be in the NHL, basically. So he's been a nice prospect. Certainly, uh, he was never drafted, but he's a nice college free agent prospect, basically, going forward. It's just a bummer at the end of the day how things have turned out with Jack McBain. Yeah, hell of a player. Hell of a player. It's just what pisses me off is he'd been kind of mediocre the first three seasons in Boston College, and then here comes his senior year, and he's unbelievable. And then he's like, screw you, I'm not playing for you guys. So it's like, thanks, man, <laughs> after all that. So whatever. <laughs> Drives me absolutely nuts that it turned out that way. But again, like I said, we're heading into those college tournaments. Really, really looking forward to how that turns out. Sam Henches and the St. Cloud State Huskies. Yeah, 20 points in 19 games, 11 of them goals. Obviously a wonderful senior season. He would have had career highs that he missed a big portion of the uh, first half of the season. That's unfortunate. Sam Hentges, he's a guy that, yeah, let's let's get him to Iowa at the very least at the end of the uh, St. Cloud State season. Hopefully hopefully it's before the Gophers. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> hopefully we're bringing in Sam Hentges to Iowa before uh, Ben Myers joins Minnesota quite possibly. Hentges, 22 years of age, of course, again, Born very close to my birthday, July 26th. I think it's right around, yeah, it's right around Neil's birthday. Neil was born on the 27th, 1983. No, he's not that old. Uh, 85. Yeah, 85 for Neil. So apologize for that silliness again. Something that I mind just wandering, and I can't help myself. Nikita Nistarenko again. I got to keep saying every week how he dropped off this year versus last year. It's been a fairly disappointing sophomore season. Definitely not as productive as he was as a junior in less games with the shortened season and all that. With the, you know, with college last season, everything was shortened last year. So especially the juniors, 24 points in 37 games versus 19 and 24 last year. Only seven goals, which is lower in in uh, 13 more games. That's kind of weird and frustrating. Hopefully Nikita picks it up next season in his junior year with the aforementioned Boston College. Marshall Warren, again, as the conversation is uh, obviously spilled over with all of us that talk about the Wild, including people like uh, Michael Russo and such, that there's too many defensemen in the grapevine. It's just unfortunately they're all too young to join the Wild at the moment. Definitely a career year thus far for Marshall Warren in terms of total points. Overall productivity, it's I guess it's kind of similar, but he's generally been better, but he's been a minus this year compared to previous years. But Boston College has not been as good. Basically, Jack McBain just kind of taken over. Everyone else has been mediocre there, unfortunately. Vladimir, no, Vladislav, first off. At the University of Connecticut, he's had some moments. He's been in, he's been out, he's this, he's that. I'm not sure where to go with him. 21 total points in 33 games. I'm not sure where to go with him, but at least he's a plus eight on the season, I guess, if that makes anybody happy. It's not the most exciting stat in the history of the planet, though. <sighs> kind of is what it is with him. I don't know. Uh, it's moderately frustrating, to say the least. Who's uh, Nadinov? Those are kind of bounced now with the juniors and such. Obviously, it was in the postseason and all that, and yeah, that's already over, unfortunately, in only four games, though. but three points, much more productive than he was in the regular season, where he had only 12 points in 32 games, and he had three in four playoff games, so that's cool, picking it up more as we head into the postseason. Who's the team off? Only four playoff games, though, for him, unfortunately. Pablo Novak, Damon Hunt, again, Pablo Novak's a forward who I think is definitely has NHL potential going forward, might even be a top six type of guy, but 
That's all yet to be seen because, you know, he's only 19 years of age. Definitely a smallish guy, but some of those smallish guys end up being great. End up being great at the end of the day. Projected at 75 total points. He's at 58 and 48 so far for the Kelowna Rockets. Good for him in the WHL. It's uh, obviously Bill Guerin and Paul Fenton love the WHL. And they're both from Boston and blah, blah, blah. Moose Shot Warriors, again, everybody loves what Damon Hunt can do. He's been absolutely fantastic. He's got a powerful shot, like we've all said, 100,000 times. 16 goals in the season. He's projected at 19. Uh, he's got 37 points right now in 45 games for the Moose Shot Warriors. Again, really looking forward to what Damon Hunt can do. But unfortunately, it's still, still a. You know, it's still going to take a bit to, to get that far. Ryan O'Rourke, who I think is closer than most of them, but obviously not not, not as exciting, but he brings size and he could help this wild team. I, I wish he was on Minnesota right now, but 19 years of age and you got to wait for that, obviously. You can't put a 19-year-old in the NHL, at least I don't think so, as mature as Ryan O'Rourke is and how well is he how well he stood out with the Iowa Wild last year. There's a chance uh, that he'll be here within a year or so. Maybe a calendar year from now, Ryan O'Rourke may escape for the Minnesota Wild for the first time because there's definitely a need there, depending on how things go in the offseason. 33 points this season. He's been very productive, to say the least. Talked about Marco Rossi already with Iowa. Um, really looking forward to next season with him. Nate Benoit. <laughs> Again, a guy, like I always joke about, he was at a point a week and he's still stuck at the same number. And now with Omaha, he's had nothing. In six games with the Omaha Lancers, he has had nothing so far. He will skate for the North Dakota Fighting Sioux, Fighting Hawks part of me next season. So, yeah, he's another one of those guys who will come out of juniors and play for a college team. Moving forward, <laughs> gosh, Josh Pilar and Kanan Bank here. They've certainly dropped off after a great start to the season. He was also traded to a different team. Saskatoon Blades, only two points. He finally was able to get some points, but only two points in ten games for the Saskatoon Blades. One goal, one assist in ten games. After he was well over a point a game for quite a while. Oh, <laughs> with the Camelons Blazers. Oh, what a bummer. Josh Pilar, massive drop-off. Hopefully it's just, it is what it is. He's super young, and he'll get things rolling next season. Looking forward to what he could do, because, man, I was excited about him in the draft when, uh, he was one of those guys, I thought, he's one of the sleepers in the draft for Minnesota, no question. Kyle Masters at 14 points in 58 games, definitely a long, long season of not scoring a whole lot, but a plus 29 for an excellent club in the Red Deer Rebels. Good for him and them especially. Canyon Bankier, again, former teammate Donald Josh Pilar, hopefully future teammate as well with Minnesota, depending on how things go, because obviously not all these guys are going to play with the Wild. Not all these guys are going to make the Wild at all. He's certainly dropped off. He was at a point a game. He's well under that now. 57 games, only 44 points. But, yeah, I, I say only but because this is the juniors. Juniors are supposed to produce if you're an NHL prospect. So, naturally, I'm a little disappointed. Jack Pert, well, we'll see. Is he, is he going to be a trade ship? Is he going to be with the Minnesota Wilds? He's certainly a power play type of guy. He's a point producer. He's only 18 years of age. He's from Grand Rapids, Minnesota. And he was Mr. Hockey last season, which was really awesome. Very productive year as a freshman for the uh, University of St. Cloud State. This and that. Very cool. And I uh, love his future heading towards the National Hockey League, AHL at the very least, to get things started. 
But yeah, he's another guy. He's kind of like uh, he's another smaller guy with offensive capability, similar to Kaden Kalen Anderson in that sense. But obviously, they both play differently. Jack Purdy's like a natural power play guy. Um, Carson Lambos has the ability to do just about everything. Uh, he's been insanely productive, almost a point a game guy for the Winnipeg Ice. Again, it's the WHL. It's not the AHL or the KHL or this HL or that HL. It's just the well, it's the Western Hockey League. Obviously, certainly has a uh, <laughs> certainly has a very very bright future going forward. He's projected to have 48 total points, 36 of them being assists on the season for the Winnipeg guys, and he's got captain abilities. And Jasper Wallstead, again, we wrap up with him when it comes to the prospects. Number one goalie of the future for Minnesota, no question about it. At least I would hope so. If he isn't, it's a huge disappointment. Um, his last five games, though, he's been disappointing. Uh, save percentage has been 86% in his last five, his last ten. So, um, well, in the last five. So he's only played in one, and he's given up four goals. That's interesting. Um, he's been in and out, unfortunately. That's why you don't see a whole lot of games with him, um, obviously, because he's super young. 2.08 goals against average, 9.15 for Swedish Hockey League. At the end of the day, but um, I believe that season's wrapped up, though, unfortunately. So it is what it is. Uh, finishes with a 2.08 goals against average. Hopefully, Jesper Wallstedt going forward will be the main goalie for Minnesota, but we'll have to wait and see how that goes. This thing is acting up here, so we'll move on from there. Uh, one final thing I should mention, I thought I kind of, I, I, I found it moderately inter- interesting, was that Tyson Jones yesterday, you see him skating around with number 10, it's like, Marion Gabrick. No, it's not Marion Gabrick. <laughs> but it was just kind of cool seeing a guy with that number. Um, and I was thinking, what other guys wore that number again for Minnesota? It's like I'm blanking, because obviously there's Gabrick. And it's like, oh yeah, Devin Setaguchi and Jordan Schrader. Schrader, yeah, I remember him for a little while there with Minnesota. 2015, 2017, he ended up being kind of a little bit of a help at times when we needed some scoring punch, uh, calling him up from the AHL. Former Gopher was our leading scorer for a while there, doing a couple of really good seasons. Uh, and then Matt Reed in 2019, actually wore number 10. I barely remember him for some reason. Wasn't really a huge factor for Minnesota. Yeah, because I, I barely even remember that guy, So, which is weird. I usually remember everybody. Now you got Tyson Jones. Hopefully he ends up hanging on to that number for a long time. So we'll have to wait and see how that turns out at the end of the day. With that, we'll take a quick break and come back for fan interaction. back here on Brave the Wild, segment number three, fan interaction segment. Let's jump right into at Brave the Wild. At Brave the Wild is the main attraction, of course, for this as we interact with fans on Twitter. It's always fun. I did a poll after last week's show to give it some time to germinate, so to speak, to get enough votes in this and that to ask, uh, as we now head to the trade deadline, what position do you feel we need the most? Center, goaltender, defenseman, or forward? Goaltender ended up winning 47.1. Defenseman number two, 29.4. I'm kind of leaning that way, but goaltender wouldn't hurt either. Center finished third, surprisingly, 23.5, which is kind of funny. And then forward got zero. So naturally, we basically got a forward at the end of the day, naturally. Uh, I also posted a please trade for a competent defenseman on the back end. Got six likes, but no comments back 
in that. I was kind of ranting during that uh, Nashville game. Got a few responses. Uh, this was an interesting tweet that made me wonder, um, <clears throat> what was I ranting about? I said, our power play really sucks. I'm sorry I've had enough of this crap. And it was driving me nuts. That's the Nashville game after the Koi Guru uh, ceremony. Meeb MVP, Meebe MVP <laughs> at gmail.com says, Garen, he either needs to fire Dean outright or tell him he'll be fired the next time he cancels practice. It's pretty bad when the team captains have to go into the coach's office and ask if they can have a practice. And then Derek responds with, do you have any proof of this? Nate Morton says, our special teams are awful. And Cameron D. Myers says, it all sucks. And I was saying, safe to say. And Michael Bolstead said, and PK, penalty kill. Yep, our special teams are not good, generally speaking. So let's get to the hashtag Brave the Wild. Hashtag Brave the Wild, if humanly possible. I had it up, but I wanted to change things around. Oh, actually, I did have it up. So, and then I shared the article where it was the trade, you know, the Nico Sturm trade. Derek Prelska jumps in, crease and assist, at crease and assist. Always thank Derek so much for putting out the bat signal, as we call it. That's uh, awesome. Just got a Minnesota Wild question on your mind with the trade deadline approaching. Ask Brave the Wild. Tag your questions. Hashtag BTWMN. Yes, always do that when you want to interact because it keeps things organized. When I simply go to notifications, it brings up a lot of stuff, and it can also bring up conversations where just my... Twitter account is included in. If I read all that, we'll be here all day, and it's not necessarily on topic, and you don't really get to hear what you had to ask. See, because that would kind of, like, water things down, in my opinion. Derek jumps in, says, while for a one-on-one swap between Tyson Jost and Nico Sturm, do you think this deal will turn out like the trade for Mattias Wendell or Guillaume Latendresse? Oh, yeah. Remember Guillaume Latendresse for um, Mr. Uh, Benoit Puglia, yep, remember that one where it's like, wow, we got, you know, uh, on dress because he, like, had this great start and then he vanished off the face of the earth. He was as out of shape and meh at best as uh, he was supposed he was with Montreal. Matthias Wendhandel, I don't remember him as much. I recognize the name, but I don't remember. But that's also a sign. He didn't do jack squat. The point is, I don't remember who he traded away to get him, but it's, like, basically bottom line. It would be the kind of trade where you're just like, hmm. Yeah, you're not happy at the end. Guillaume Latendresse, who could forget that one? Um, that's why I'm pronouncing it correctly, because I remember that very well, and people were going crazy how exciting it was, and then he ended up being a massive bust by the next year. Um, yeah, it was frustrating. Not, not that Benoit Puglia was all that good either, because he's a mediocre skater. That's why he ended up being a bottom six guy when he was, you know, a top five pick in the NHL draft. He was supposed to be better. So, extremely frustrating. There's not enough research was done in the Minnesota Wild front office when they took Mr. Benoit Puglia. They could have done much better, bottom line. Um, yeah, man, he's winning. I, I remember the name. I just don't remember who he was traded for. And I remember him not doing hardly anything, basically. Um, I hope not. Let's just leave it at that. Uh, I hope not. But at the end of the day, maybe it would be like mediocre player for mediocre player, which in a lot of ways that would be. Like Benno Puglia, he ended up lasting much longer than Guillaume Latendresse, but he wasn't that great. He was okay at times. Certainly wasn't a great player. Um, it might it might end up that way. I'm hoping not. So we'll have to wait and see, because Latendresse was obviously a high draft pick as well, very highly touted as a scoring prospect. We'll move forward. Next question from Derek says, will the Minnesota Wild make any other significant deals by Monday or will we just see minor league players moved around? Which would you prefer? Is this perhaps a time where the best moves is do nothing at all? 
it's probably going to be there's probably going to be one more medium medium kind of medium sized minorish type of trade where the Wild get a defenseman to help the back end. I, I don't think there's like a big thing. Like I don't think it's Dumba and Fiala for you know a big name guy. I'm guessing that's not going to happen. And I don't think we're going to dump a whole lot of prospects. In the summer, though, in the summer, I do think we're going to see a significant prospect move for, you know, uh, an able body in the NHL. In the summer, I think something happens. Right now, I doubt it. There's always a possibility, but I doubt it. I don't think Bill Guerin's in a huge rush to trade the prospects right now. But I think in the summer, when there's a little more downtime, a little more opportunity, there's more free time, this and that, I think that somebody significant gets traded, possibly a Dumba as well, but I do think there's going to be a significant trade in the summer. Right now, I think there'll be maybe not just minor leaguers, but yeah, something smaller end. I do think an NHL player comes to Minnesota, a a defenseman is my belief. I don't think they're going to make make a goaltender move. I think it's going to be a defenseman of some sort moving forward, a Ian Cole type of move at the end of the day. It's going to be something like that. You know, kind of like, you know, Sturm for Jost. It's going to be somebody like that. Like, a you know, bottom six per bottom six. Currently bottom six, anyway. Because you never know if Jost could actually get better than that. But we'll see. Uh, bottom, yeah, it'll be for a bottom pairing type of move, I think. Steve Snyder. I would not mind seeing John, I would not mind seeing Merrill move. As much as I liked him early in the year, he's been garbage since the contract. Steve Snyder jumps in and says, After listening to Bill Guerin, here are themes I heard. Teams are asking for a, a ton, uh, a ton for rentals. Goalies here statistically look bad, but he still trusts them. Yeah, yeah, that's what I feel too. Everyone needs to be better. Players, coaches, general manager. Is this a smokescreen, or is he seeing this team cannot compete this year? I don't know. Hmm, that's a good question. <laughs> a smokescreen, or is he seeing this team cannot compete this year? I think he believes they can. I think Bill Guerin believes they can compete this year. I think that's kind of his competitive side coming out, possibly. Um, and they should be able to. They looked pretty good earlier. It's just, I do think there is one more move coming, but it's not going to be the big one. I think there's going to be a bigger move in the summer where a significant prospect has moved, and probably more than likely a significant player is moved in the summer. So I'm kind of sticking to that thought process. Uh, good question, though, Steve, definitely. Uh Derek jumps in says, if you were to take a look at this checklist included in this tweet, how many items would you say the Minnesota Wild have at this moment in time on the ro- on the actual roster? And with your results, would you say we're in a realistic Stanley Cup contender as is or not? Brad, Brad Ratkin, yep, posted. Yep, see how he's Derek sharing this. So you want to win the Stanley Cup, Wild fans? Give up. Give a point for everything they have on the list. How many points do you come up with? Then list everything from this list that they don't have. Okay, let's get this up. Elite first line center, that's among the very best players in the world. Zero. Elite first line winger, that's, uh, excuse me, elite first line winger to support the elite center. Well, elite first line winger, yes, that's a point. Two other top line wingers on each of the top lines. Well,. Yes, I think so, because Fiel and Boldy, I think, are up there. I really do. Yes, so I'll say a point there. I will give them a point for that. Top-line center to play behind the elite center. No. Uh, So that's two points again so far. Two more top six forwards for depth in the middle six. No. Um, 
elite number one defenseman? No. A second number one defenseman to play behind him? No. I don't think the Wild have an elite number one defenseman. Unless you consider Brodeen that? I don't think so. I, I, I don't think so. I think he's really close. A second number one defenseman to play behind him? So I'll say that's Brodeen. So <coughs> that'd be a third point. Yeah, so it'd be like a, a top pairing defenseman to help anchor a strong second pair with the number two. Oh, man. Uh, top pairing defenseman to help anchor for a strong second pair with the number two. Uh, you could say that Spurgeon. Uh, that's kind of optimistic, though. I'm going to, uh, three or four, I'm going to come back to that real quickly. Another top pairing out of the defense, Krauss, top minutes. No. A top 10 caliber starting goaltender. No. So it's either three or four points. That's what we come up with. Sorry for the cough there. That was sudden. Usually I'm able to, you know, pause that out, but uh, apologize for that. So it's either three or four points we're looking at. That's not real good. So it depends on how you look at, uh, is Spurgeon, I'll say four if you want to, just to be on the positive side with Spurgeon and Brogine. I do not see Dumba as an elite defenseman or top pairing type of support, supporting top top pairing defenseman. I don't see him as that. He's, you know, a second pairing defenseman with abilities that he's not reaching. Put it that way. Um, good one, though. Good one, Derek and Brad, working together on that one. That's a collaboration in a sense. Um, <laughs> thank you for sharing that, Derek. I appreciate that. So it's either three or four points, which means we're not a cup contender. No. And that might be why I'm losing followers as well. Uh, it was on an unbelievable run for a while, and then it just kind of hit a wall lately. Right when the Wilds started losing, oh, my followers just started leaving too. Surprise. You know, that's kind of how it works in this world, isn't it? Look at the Vikings Twitter that I have, Purple Mafia show. Mm. Yeah, it had a very rough year last year. Let's leave it at that. Derek says, what is the best action platformer of the 8-bit slash 16-bit era, in your opinion? What was the worst platformer of that generation? And is it worse than the Minnesota Wild penalty kill right now? <laughs> Action platformer of the 8-bit era. The best one, I think it's Mario 3, or, God, there's so many. Castlevania 3, Mario 3. Look, Zelda is not a platformer, obviously. And Final Fantasy, that's, you know, not a platformer. That's a, that's a turn-based RPG. Zelda is an action RPG that is not a platformer, unless you think of Zelda 2. That is a platformer, but it's not the best. It's a very fun game, and I usually play it right about this time of year as we start heading into spring and, you know, end of winter. Um, best action platform. 8-bit. Eight eight, uh, excuse me, Mario 3. Mario 3 is going to win that. The worst of that same generation. Well, there's a lot of bad. There's a lot of good. Um, the hardest would be Ghost and Goblins. Let's put it at that. Uh, the worst. God. I have to think about that for a minute and come back. The worst, though. Dang. Um, <laughs> well, you could put it in the 16-bit era. I didn't really like the Mega Man X's that much, which probably like 99% of people that played them would disagree with me. I like the original Mega Man's a lot more, the old old group. Some of them got a little weaker, though, as he went on. Mega Man in general, after Mega Man 3, I thought there was a small drop-off, and it kept getting a little weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker. Um, and then it got really boring by like PS2 era, where it's just dialogue every 10 seconds. It's not interesting, and the AVGN, Angry Video Game Nerd, also pointed that out in his Mega Man video, which was one of his uh, anniversary episodes. 
That was a good one. Um, we'll come back to the, the worst, though. All I can say is the hardest is Ghosts and Goblins. Uh, Derek Felska says, Since you mentioned you enjoy games of the 8-bit slash 16-bit era, have you played any of the new homebrew games that work for those retro games? Uh, that work for those retro systems? If so, which ones? And if not, why not? Um, I don't own any homebrew for like the NES and such. Uh, partially, I've been kind of... You know, uh, but... When it comes to like like ROMs and downloads, that could be a cartridge game, uh, Shovel Knight. So that's what you could say is similar. It's kind of like it's like a mix of Mega Man and Ducktales. I'd say it's more Mega Man than anything. And it's 16-bit, but it looks 8-bit in a way. It's 18-bit, 16-bit mix, and really good quality overall game. So Shovel Knight is a homebrew that I would categorize in that. Uh, or are you as likely to get one of those games as the Minnesota Wilder to get a number one center? I like homebrews. I, I like homebrews, but most of them for me have been ROMs, not uh, cartridges. I'm definitely open-minded to them because it keeps that 8-bit slash 16-bit style that I really appreciate rather than, you know, 3D and, and you know, like, you know, FMVs as they call them, you know, those the video full-motion video stuff. It doesn't do much for me. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I, I actually do like retro-style homebrew games quite a bit, but I do stick to my classics even more so, So, but it's uh, I wouldn't say it's as unlikely as a while getting a number one center. <laughs> uh, is the worst, yeah, like the worst platformer of the generation, is it worse than the Minnesota Wild Penalty Kill right now? Probably not. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Probably not, but then again, maybe. Uh, I'm trying to think. Worst platformer, probably... Terminator, what is it? I think it's the Terminator for the NES. That's got to be it. It's horrible. It's so poorly made. It's like a joke. Yeah, so I'll say that one, and it is worse than the Wild Penalty Kill. Yeah, the Terminator. I finally came up with one. So this time I kept my word, dang it, <laughs> about uh, coming back to it. Brian Herrera says, if you could have any goalie, past or present, in their prime, who would you choose to take to, uh, the net for the Minnesota Wild? Any goalie, past or present? Oh, boy. I'd, I'd have to say Patrick Waugh. Some people might be like, oh, come on. No, yeah, I'd have to say Patrick Waugh, past for sure. In his prime, he was the best goalie I ever saw for the most part with the Montreal Canadiens and like early years for the... Uh, Colorado Avalanche. And really, he was good all the way to the end, but it felt like he was in his prime the whole way, didn't it? Uh, I'll say Patrick Waugh, even though it's like a hated figure going against the Wild, but why not? Why not have him with Minnesota? Would have been really something. Uh, Brian Herrera? Of course, you could say Ken Dryden, but that's so far back, you know. I think he would have been great, but it's a long time ago. Uh, Brian Herrera says, if you could create your own version of Super Smash Brothers with characters from any game, who would you put in it? Um... Depends on how many characters, I suppose. Super Smash Brothers, like, oh, it had Ness and Mario and all that. I like the way they put those guys in there. I think it'd be cool to include some tur Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or something. That would be fun. Uh, have Shredder in there, you know. <laughs> like, include them in there. Uh, have Mega Man for sure. Link. Mario, no question. Bowser. People like that. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Like, classic characters. Maybe, maybe even to be really funny, have, like, some... Uh, Super uh, have some Mike Tyson's punch out characters in there like uh, um, Bald Bull. I think that'd be really funny. Like Bald Bull would be hilarious at the end of the day. 
Jay Bushy says, in the wild have been rumored to be interested in defenseman Ben Shirot. Yeah, from Montreal. Your thoughts, or is, or is there some other potential defenseman? Ben Shirot, pardon me. Uh, your thoughts, or is there some other potential defenseman that they should be pursuing? I would be very happy to have Ben Shirot, I think. Um, not sure how much it would take to get him. That's the one thing. Might be a bit on the expensive side, but yeah, I'd be happy. I, I'd be happy with that. I, I have no major name that I could think of because I, I don't think the Wild are going to go crazy after somebody like, uh, you know, one of the top guys in the league. Like, you know, I was like a Roman Yossi or something. Of course, I don't think Nashville would trade him anyway without, like, giving up the moon. <laughs> you know, giving them Kirill Kaprizov, something crazy like that. Derek Felska says, what do you think goes through Minnesota Wild head coach Dean Everson's mind whenever the Wilds take a penalty for any reason these days? Just the look on his face. It's just kind of that, give me a break. You've got to be kidding me. That's kind of what I can see. But filled in with F-bombs because you know, I think he'd like to swear a lot. Um, oh, yeah, and Ben Sherratt did get traded, didn't he? Yep. With the trade of Ben Sherratt, yep, so it happened right after that, unfortunately, so my bad. Uh, with the trade of Ben Sherratt and Bill Guerin saying teams went crazy, want crazy returns for most players, should the Wilds sell hard on number 24, and they hope they get as good a return for a first-star pick as more as Sherratt yielded for Montreal. Yes. Yeah. I like that idea quite a bit, actually. If they could pull that off, I'd like it. Even though it would be kind of gutting the team, in a way. Because, but if only for sure you could uh, get like a, a live player back in return, like a young guy. Another Addison type, maybe. In return, yeah. Yeah. I like that idea. If the Wilds could pull that off, that'd be great. Because Miss is not worthy of a first-round pick. Bottom line. In my opinion, he's not, unfortunately. Um, unless it's a you know a lower-end one. Two two more questions, and we wrap this up. Steve Sanders says, if the Wild do do trade McVeigh, what can they get in return? Not sure how much a very successful college player can get on the market. Mid-round draft pick, perhaps? I've heard up to a possible second. So second or third round pick is my guess. Maybe another prospect or something. Uh, it could be that as well. Um, final question. I mean, good question there, Steve. Derek says, since it's St. Patrick's Day, do you have any game day superstitions you follow or any sports teams you are rooting for? I try not to wear any colors of the Minnesota Wilds opponents on game day. Yep, that's a good one. My traditions are, you know what it's like? It's a weird tradition since it's it's podcast related, which might drive you, which might make you laugh actually. Do you ever notice how the ending theme changes from time to time? Sometimes it's Elect Man, sometimes it's Guts Man. See, when they're playing well, I keep it going. I keep the same one I played last week, but when they've not been playing well, I change it. You know what I mean? So, like, like I played Gutsman this week, and they played really well. It's Gutsman again. That's my tradition, which is weird. That's the the tradition I have at the end of the day. So that's a good question. It's a fun question there. But that said, I wish all of you a wonderful week. Unfortunately, it's getting really late in this uh, neck of the woods. Unfortunately, I better get going for work and all that good stuff. Uh, At the end of the day, though, a couple shout-outs. Thank you, Minnesota Wild Global. Obviously, love that website, MNW Prospects. Young Guns, love that page, really proud to be a part of it. Uh, major shout-out, obviously, Derek Felska, Grease and Assist, at Grease and Assist. Look that up and follow what he does. Him and his wife, Teresa Ferries, they do a wonderful job keeping up with the Minnesota Wild and with youth hockey, but that's wrapped up for the year. My prediction of Edina was terrible, but my prediction of Hermantown was, well, of course they won, right? <laughs> I picked Edina. Yeah, Maple Grove beat them right away and then lost yeah, at the end of the day, to Andover. Congratulations, Andover, winning their first state title. 
Uh, with that said, wishing all of you a great week. Hopefully the Wild can pick things up as soon as possible and keep winning. And we'll see if there's an interesting trade on the way. Talk to you next week.